0: Hello, this is Ken, your podcast preacher, and I want to welcome you back to Deep Deepwater. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strengths Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the effect of working out the will and calling of God in our lives. The title of this message is Supplemental Sex, or It's Not Just Sex. This is a multi-episode series in which this is episode seven of seven. So before we come to a close on a very gigantic topic, so big it would be difficult to cover in many volumes of books, we should hit on a couple of things that can lead to neglecting your sex life as a husband or wife. Vanity and idolatry, that is, to struggle with body image, is a sex stealer. If you try and define what it is to be the perfect partner, then you are doomed and destined to spend many a dollar to try and correct God's perfect work, if, in fact, dollars can fix it. Bigger? Nope, not needed. It has never resulted in better sex long term. If you disagree with me, you're stupid. If bigger was God's standard for ideal sex, then by all means, he wouldn't have shortchanged anyone. This applies to both men and women. Stop trying to view yourself from the mirror of the world. For God's sake, they need our help. It's not the other way around. Spend time getting to know each other and keep your sex life communication very active between each other. If one or the other of you is not fully getting your needs met, then someone is either not sharing those needs or someone is just being lazy. There is no reason under the sun why a woman cannot arrive to a satisfactory conclusion, just like a man. Yep, I just took a turn. Okay, but so back on the road. So in finishing, really, we should look at what our rebellion against God leads to. I try to stay away from other forms of sexual relationships, as the Bible sheds way too bright a light on the why it happens and what will be the end of such a lifestyle. So we know Rome had some strange things going on as it relates to sex as any empire usually does, save sometimes Israel. Sodom and Gomorrah were infected with this toxicity, Genesis 18 and 19, along with the tribe of Benjamin at one point in history. The Genesis story shows just how corrupt it was, and although Lot was eventually delivered, his daughters did not escape without some of those cities attaching their evil sexual practices to their thoughts. As you may know, they slept with their father, intentionally making up the most ludicrous excuse to do so. And boy, oh boy, did not Abraham and his wife get sideways in their marriage? If we peek into Genesis, we will catch the moment and wonder what an a the tarnation they were doing. Genesis 16, 1-4 Now Sari, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sari said to Abraham, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid." Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband Abraham to be his wife, after Abraham had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Can we say volunteer adultery? It's not just sex. As you see in the story, despisement was planted by that act of sin. Genesis 38, 13, 16. Here's another example. And it was told Tamar, saying, Look, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. So she took off her widow's garments, covered herself with the veil, and wrapped herself, and sat in an open place which was on the way to Timnah. For she saw that Selah was grown, and she was not given to him as a wife. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a harlot, because she had covered her face. Then he turned to her by the way and said, "'Please, let me come into you,' for he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. So she said, "'What will you give me that you may come into me?' "'It's not just sex.' "'Nope. Now do you think we can get that sideways, as we have somehow evolved past stupidity and the infamous dimmer switch, without presenting any readily available statistics?' On how many women are raped every year? How many kids are kidnapped and placed in the sex trade business? How many prostitutes exist today? How many children are placed in brothels to make money for the family so they can eat? Or any other stupid reason to force sin on another human being? And no, I didn't say eating was sin or stupid. Oh, the statistics on how much revenue is generated because of this dimmer switch because of our lack of self-control in the area of sex and intimacy. I believe if all the dollars could be counted regarding this fault alone, it would exceed the current U.S. debt of just over $30 trillion. It is truly staggering, and for my own sanity, I will leave the statistical support for what I have stated here to someone else who has more self-control. Look and don't turn away at just how far or bad it can get. We are in it right now. Judges 19 22 30. As they were enjoying themselves, suddenly certain men of the city, perverted men, surrounded the house and beat on the door. They spoke to the master of the house, the old man, saying, Bring out the man who came to your house, that we may know him carnally. But the man, the master of the house, went out to them and said to them, No, my brethren, I beg you, do not act so wickedly. Seeing this man is coming to my house, do not commit this outrage. Look, here is my virgin daughter and the man's concubine. Let me bring them out now. Humble them, and do with them as you please. But to this man do not do such a vile thing. But the men would not heed him. So the man took his concubine and brought her out to them, and they knew her and abused her all night until morning. And when the day began to break they let her go. Then the woman came as the day was dawning, and and fell down at the door of the man's house where her master was, until it was light. Verse 27. When her master arose in the morning and opened the doors of the house, and went out to go his way, there was his concubine, fallen at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold. And he said to her, Get up, and let us be going. But there was no answer. So the man lifted her onto the donkey, and the man got up and went to his place. Verse 29. When he entered his house, he took a knife, laid hold of his concubine, and divided her into twelve pieces, limb by limb, and sent her throughout all the territory of Israel. And so it was, that all who saw it said, No such deed has been done or seen from the day that the children of Israel came up from the land of Egypt until this day. Consider it, confer, and speak up. So we should finish on a brighter note, right? Back to Rome. Can it get any clearer than it does in Romans? And what is this here, that it looks like God is helping some to actually move towards the very sin that they desire, because they say no to Him? Of all penalties you can assess, let's see what God uses to establish the difference between those who love Him and those who reject Him. Sex. Yes, sex. Oh, how important it is that we know and manage the power of this thing called sex. Will it exist in heaven? I say no because what we have in its correct form is corruptible. But that's for another discussion. I will be chopping up this story so as to stick to the main point. But surely you can read the whole of Romans chapter 1 and 2 to get a clearer understanding of what I will be saying here. Romans 1.18 and 2.3 Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning a Son Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith, among all nations for his name, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. Verse 7. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be the saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8. First I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve, with my spirit and the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests if, by some means, now at last, I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. Verse 13. Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often plan to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor to both Greeks and to barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is a power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first, and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. And I add, He's shown it to everybody. Verse 20. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. So that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Verse 24. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature, likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. Verse 28, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind, to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetedness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, And what God is talking about when he says death, he's talking about eternal death, that is eternal separation from him. So as you can see in that story, there's a whole subculture that falls into Romans chapter 1 and 2. Well, I hope this message was helpful. My goal and purpose was to simply provide you more information than you may be getting on a Sunday. Well, that's it for today and for this episode series. Remember, it's not what you find wrong or disagree with regarding these messages, but what you can take away from it. Together, we can do more to impact the kingdom than if we work alone. Let's flip the script and kill, still, and destroy the works of the enemy, and create space for the light of life to shine through into people's lives. Plant a seed and click on the like and subscribe button. Let's build this ministry together. Thanks and see you next time in deep waters.